there were several people, including a former guest, who were all in the DMs defending Glinda. Should we out? Um, no, friend- no. Let it be known that there is an Alphaba out there who is a self-professed Team Glinda. Who is hashtag Team Glinda, and I quickly slid into her DMs to reprimand her. <laughs> My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. We're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. Kevin. Hi. It was your birthday yesterday. Quincy, it was my birthday yesterday. So not only am I older and wiser. Older. Okay. And just not only am I older and wiser telling you what to do, but... Also, this is our first time uh, not recording together in person, which is the end goal. But this is our first time recording in the same time zone. Yes. I am back in New York City. Tell your friends. You heard it here first. Um, Surprisingly anticlimactic coming back. I was kind of like running around and doing errands my first couple days that I was back in New York. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm here. This is life. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought I would have kind of a moment of like, ah, I'm back in New York. And you didn't have that? No, not really. <laughs> but yeah, we're in, we're back in the same time zone. The sentimental men are in the same time zone. And you know what else is kind of interesting, Quincy, is this is the first episode that we are recording since we launched the podcast. Which is really exciting for me because, I don't know, we haven't like actually talked about this, but I've been kind of surprised at like the people who have reached out to us same. and the listeners. And like the content we are receiving from the listeners. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy because I am not any different of a person than I was before we pushed go on this. But it's just like I have now become everybody's friend who likes Wicked. Which is funny. I feel the same way. But it's like, it's not like you and I were being closeted about our Wicked love before this. I mean, my screen name in seventh grade was literally Defy Gravity X11. Do you want to know something funny? In college, my freshman year of college, I had this like jock um, roommate who played track, played track, do you play track, ran track? Yeah, that. My alarm every morning was Defying Gravity. Hysterical. The song from like the cast recording. And I kept it that way so that every morning, as soon as I heard Chris and Chenoweth going, Alphaba, I would have to get up immediately because I didn't want him to like hear that Defying Gravity was playing to wake me up. That is funny and sad, Quincy. Do you need to talk <laughs> about that? It was. Just... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, guys, really, the support and the people who have come out to tell us how much they love the podcast and we had one listener john did you read that email from john kevin yes i did okay i did i really appreciated it john sent us a full email with compliments and suggestions slash critiques which were all actually very helpful i thought extremely but even more than the listeners who have been reaching out you know it's been nice we've had a few different podcasts you know, offer us some words of encouragement or advice or things like that. My friend Mo over at the Ensemblist just um, last week featured a clip of our Stephanie Torns episode to kind of like recommend it to his listeners, which was really cool. Incredible. I know. So I think if you do not go uh, listen to the Ensemblist, I highly recommend it. It is the first podcast that I ever worked on. And it is a celebration of all things theater, all things Broadway. So I recommend it. But guys, since we've last spoken, we have President-elect Joe Biden. 
I feel like we both had like cute New York City stories of the when it was announced that we're going to be able to tell our grandchildren. I was in Central Park when the news dropped and you straight up went to Times Square. Wait, no, Quincy, I was also in Central Park when the news dropped. So oh, really? We even, yeah. So okay. I was in Central Park. Um, and so we're sitting there and Connor, my partner, called me and was like, did you hear? And I was like, no. And he was like, Joe Biden, is he, he won Pennsylvania. Like He's the projected winner. And so then me and my friends start screaming and then like people around us didn't know what we were yelling about. So we st- we were like, he he won, like Biden won. And then like all of Bethesda Terrace just like erupted yeah. into applause. It was it crazy. Was, I mean, it's wild. What happened with you? I was walking through the park and then I got like the push notification. I was with my friend and I was like, oh my God. But then like I have been, I think 2020 has just put me in this mindset where I was like, no good news is ever actually good news. So in my mind, I was like, "Ah, I don't know, this isn't real. I don't know. Um, But then I started hearing people screaming. It was just like such a beautiful, beautiful weekend. I I feel like I have been living in the Wiz Live on NBC performance of Can't You Feel a Brand New Day for the last week and couple of days. You know, I have been living in that headspace. And it's it's been great. I've been fantastic. I have no complaints. But Quincy, it's almost time for us to be joined by our illustrious guest today. But before we tell people who it is, why don't you give me a little Stuck on SJB? So for this week's Stuck on SJB, I feel like it's obligatory. I had to do this. And you're going to know what I'm talking about. Stephanie J. Block posted on Instagram the day, I think it was day of, the day that Biden was announced. She posted a video of herself sitting in her car. Just taking three deep breaths, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And she just goes, I haven't felt this in a long time. And I tell you, when I watched her, I almost cried watching that video. I was like, yeah, like she's speaking for all of us. We truly, like, it was just such a sense of relief And like, sure, there's so much more to do. And like, this is not even like, this is just the beginning of like, what's to come. But that day that Biden was announced, I feel like everyone felt such a sense of joy and happiness and calm. And seeing that Stephanie J. Block video just really like put me over the edge. And I think I'd watched it right after I watched uh, Joe and Kamala's acceptance speeches. And so it was just like a very like emotional time. So that's my suck on SJB. Thank you so much, Quincy. So should we introduce this guest? I think we should. So this guest came to us in a roundabout way, which I think we'll get into when she arrives. Uh, a roundabout way. Oh my God. Let's leave that in. This podcast came to all of you in a roundabout way. <laughs> the guest that we're having on in a few minutes is Emma Hunton. Ooh, so good. Who some of you may know as Ilsa in the original Broadway production of Spring Awakening. Mm-hmm. as Natalie in the Broadway and touring production of Next to Normal, mm-hmm. as Alphaba, of course, on tour, as Ellie in Disney's hit musical Freaky Friday. Yeah, it's signature, right? Yeah. I also think they did it at La Jolla. Oh, I think It was right. like making the rounds. God, she is so, she's busy. She's booked. And she's booked. yeah, and she's now she's a TV star. booked. Yeah, because now she's starring as Davia on Freeform's Good Trouble. She's ugh, amazing. You know, I saw her in the original Broadway production of Spring Awakening 
And I saw her on tour in Next to Normal. Oh, wow. So you're like an Emma Hunting stan. I'm quite familiar with her body of work. Yeah. I yeah. saw her in... Oh, we didn't even mention it. I saw her in The Mad Ones off-Broadway, the Carrigan and Loudermilk Ooh, musical, mm-hmm. which was like very, very good. Yeah, I, I sh- still listen to that cast recording. Here's the thing about Emma Hunting. I took a second to really like pick apart her alphabet and watch some bootlegs and whatnot. Yeah. And Emma Hunting is an actress. Hundred percent. I mean, she is like okay. Here's what I have to say about Emma. Uh huh. I like her because I'm not worried about her. She is in there. She is in those clunky ass brown boots. She is making clear, yummy vocal choices. They're all placed somewhere. They're all informed. It's she's remarkable. The vocal and acting choices that she makes. I feel like are very unique, which is hard to yes. do when you're playing Alphaba at this point. I think she played Alphaba in 2014 on tour, mm-hmm. and that's like deep into Wicked's run. So to be yeah. making original choices at that point. Fresh choices. Are you missing the thrills and drama of Broadway? Well, Resident Dramatics and twin brothers Connor and Dylan McDowell are bringing you all that and more on their podcast, Drama. Joined weekly by thrilling special guests, they explore theater, entertainment, pop culture, and the vibrance of love and life in New York City with new episodes every Wednesday. Listen in for your weekly dose of drama. Plus, Sentimental Men listeners are in for a huge treat as they've had some of your favorite Alphabas, Galindas, Fieros, and even Anessa Rose or two on the podcast. Follow them at the Drama Podcast, and subscribe wherever your podcasts are found. Drama. Well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us. This is so exciting. Thank you for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. Oh, we're stoked to have you. I know. I feel like we should talk about the way that this happened because I feel like this was an uh, abnormal way. Yeah. So we like just launched our podcast and we were like, okay, let's get on TikTok. So we were pumping out videos. And then I came across your No Good Deed on YouTube and took a watch. And I had watched before, but I like actually watched it. And we're going to get into this later. But Emma, <laughs> <laughs> you approach the songs from like such an actor's perspective. And it's so evident in the performance. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this needs to go up. <laughs> alphabas that we don't talk about enough because i was like i feel like we haven't been talking about emma hunting as alphabas yeah enough. it's funny i think everyone always forgets that i've done the show because i've been really lucky to do a lot of great projects mm-hmm. now especially with good trouble like that fan base is really young and they're like you were in wicked oh my god i didn't know you were in wicked and i was like You're like it's not that long ago but it's like you know it's been it's been around for so long and they get like such amazing women in and out of there that it's like it really is hard to keep track and we all kind mm-hmm. of look the same makeup on when i put the green makeup on for the first time i think everyone kind of holds their breath to see like is it gonna be a cute alphabet yeah. and like i remember when i came out everyone was like oh you're so pretty <laughs> oh thank god <laughs> it sounds like you guys were worried yeah right. <laughs> So then we put that video up on TikTok and it came up on your For You page? It popped up on my For You page, which is funny because I don't get a lot of musical theater. Yeah. But um, I've been liking stuff because my best friend is Lindsay Pierce. Yes. Stuff of hers pops up. I've been liking it. So I think because of that, Wicked started popping up. Your guys' page started popping up on my For You page. And I was literally downstairs with my roommate. And it was like one of those things where I scrolled and set the phone down to like look in the fridge. And I 
like poked my head around. I was like, I think that's me. <laughs> we were freaking out for like five minutes. I was like, this has never happened to me before. But yeah, so then we slid into your DMs and we were like, come on the podcast and you were, here I am. and here we are. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So I guess to start. Start it. How did Wicked first come into your life? Not necessarily as an actress, but when did you first remember hearing about the show, Wicked? So the first time I ever heard about Wicked was the Tony Award performance. Mm -hmm. I was probably 12 when it came out. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was really hard to sing. And it didn't stop me from straining my vocal cords to try. I think like every girl in theater. And 11-year-old boys. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like pushing, pushing, like, I don't know how someone does this eight times a week. And then my mom got me tickets to go see Wicked with Eden Espinosa at the Pantages. Uh. And then I became friends with Eden later, and she was like kind of my guru when I went on tour. So it was like, it was a very, like, I even have goosebumps like talking about it. It was very, in the movie montage of your life, you can like see kind of all the moments where they line up to be who you are. And that that was a big one. So did you end up seeing Wicked multiple times before you were in it? Or was that kind of the only time you saw Wicked? I didn't really see Wicked again until I had moved to New York. Oh, okay. Actually, no, that's not true. I saw my friend Lily Cooper in it. <gasps> Speaking of alphabets, we don't talk about enough. I, oh my god can we please just like detour for a second about how please. incredible oh my god but she's another one I feel like has done so many other cool jobs with their career that like it's easy to forget that she was Alphaba. But she also like she was never a full-time Alphaba, which blows my mind. I'm obsessed with her. I love her. Tony nominee. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was how it came into my life. I mean, I um I never auditioned for Wicked. I worked with Joe Mantello in a workshop. Mm. Workshop for what? Can we know? It was for Dogfight. Oh, uh, oh my God, Emma. When Joe took over directing, he was like, it's not going to go your way for this show, but would you be interested in coming in for Wicked? Wow. And I was like, yeah, no fucking, no problem. Yeah, I think I'll be okay. Dogfight who? I'm there. (laughs) Second stage? I think I was like probably 20 when we started having these conversations because I didn't go in for another year. And it took, I didn't hear anything for like six months. And then I was doing Witness Uganda mm. in Boston. And my agent called me. She's like, okay, so um, I'm coming up to Cambridge with your Wicked contract. Uh, 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 Had it been <laughs> on your radar prior? Like as an actress, were you like, I want to play Alphaba? I think it's one of those things that I always wanted to, but I never let myself kind of dare to dream that big, which sounds really mm-hmm. sad, but it's just one of those things that's just so big. And I had done shows like Spring Awakening and Next to Normal, which weren't really yeah. up until then. I'd only played kids. So I didn't think anyone was ever going to cast me as a woman. That's interesting. You know, and you hear rumors about how you have to be so tall to ride the, the cherry mm. picker and like, and that's not true. Right. <laughs> like all this stuff that you tell yourself that makes it impossible, an impossible goal. And so I think because I went in there being like, well, this is never going to happen. Yeah. I think that kind of worked for the character and what and what I ended up doing with it. And I, I think they liked that and they trusted that. It took so long, probably like two years in total from like the beginning of talking about it to auditioning to like actually performing in the show. Wow. Like it felt so fast because it was just like waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay, you're leaving in four weeks. And then after you rehearse for two weeks, you're going to go to Nashville. And then in a month, you're going to go on. And it was just like, oh, okay. All right, here we are. Can you take us inside that whole audition process a little more? Yeah, so it was the whole table of people. I mean, just like anyone who's ever been, you know, put money into Wicked. Was it one audition? It was one audition for me. It was straight to the final rounds, which the thing is, is I didn't know that. That's not a normal experience either. Yeah, it's not. Usually people audition for Wicked for years. Yeah. 
they're finally placed in somewhere. And like, I think because it was only one, I was like, there's no way like they're just going to like book me. Right. And they did. <laughs> and then they did. And like, I honestly just happened so fast that there was kind of no time to doubt myself or the process. It was just like, even though I had a month to rehearse, it felt like I was being thrown in because the weight of the show. And I feel like around that time too, that was right when Wicked was starting to be like a long running show. And so there was kind of this like new added prestige in that like early 2010s years that's a lot of pressure like going into a beast like that just celebrated the 10-year anniversary Mm -hmm. so it was the pressure was on and like and it was also the closing of the first national tour like this was the cast that was closing out the tour so there was a lot of there was a lot of pressure and i was like at 22 i think at the time like but now you've had big jobs in hit shows did wicked still feel different Here's what I will say about Wicked. But the first time I sang through the music, I turned to the music director and I was like, that's not that hard. Mm. <laughs> right. It's not. So hold on to that. Mm-hmm. How it gets hard is all this screaming. There can be nothing below a certain level. So that's really what starts to kind of mess you up. Mm-hmm. I first was intimidated by the music, but then I was like, okay, I got that. And then it was mm-hmm. like, oh, the maintaining is the rest of the show. If you can sing it, you can sing it. And it's written in a really smart way that it's you get your hardest song out first. Interesting. So kind of in that same vein, Kevin and I have a, it's a fun theory that every alphabet is a, the Wizard and I alphabet, a Defying Gravity alphabet, or a No Good Deed alphabet. Ultimately, it can mean whatever you want it to mean. I think my interpretation, at least, is that that song informs the rest of the character's performance. Do you feel like you resonated with one of the three songs most? I felt... Defying Gravity was the most exciting, not because it's Defying Gravity, but because there's this fear of... Everyone always says, like, no good deed is the transformation into the Wicked Witch, which is Mm -hmm. true, but uh, to me, it's when she believes it. Mm -hmm. Defying Gravity is when she decides to be the witch. She's like, fine, if I have to unite everyone by them hating a common enemy, I'm going to do it. And you can see she doesn't really believe it, but she's got to do it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. It's her pretending to be what they've called her her whole life. And then no good deed is her believing it for the first time. Mm. I mean, even when she sings like, it's me, I'm the (laughs) one you want. It's like, she's like, it's like a big fucking distraction. It's like, Mm -hmm. stop looking at don't touch her. It's me. So that was always really fun because it was scary. It's like, it's how can you grab their attention? It's not really about the audience. It's like, how do you engage everyone else on stage? Yeah. And that was, that was always just a really fun turn. Cause after that, it's like, and she lives in fear until no good deed. The whole rest of the second act, she's completely in fear. Right. Yeah. So I'm a defined gravity alphabet. I love that. I think I, everyone expects me to be a no good deed alphabet, but I think it's interesting to watch people instead of cry to not cry. I think it's interesting to watch people try and hold it back and to me that's what that whole song is Mm -hmm. and it's like breathing in this like new character that she doesn't really she hasn't fully grown into yet but like the skeleton's there and i think that's what's exciting because it's like to me that sets up the whole who she is and i would love to kind of hear how you approached the songs from an acting perspective because again i really think that the way that you act the song sets you apart from like a lot of the contemporary alphabas i agree yeah so fresh so my whole thing is like if you look at her life it's kind of sad and I I think what's interesting to me about Wicked is that we haven't had more black actresses Mm -hmm. play the role because the whole show is about a woman feeling ostracized for the color of her skin 
So that was kind of like, how do I put myself in that mindset when I don't ever know what that's personally felt like? Mm -hmm. So it was more about like, how does it feel? What are the defense mechanisms one has when someone is staring at you too long and there's nothing wrong with you? It was, I actually made a joke to Lindsay about this because I was like, if you ever need something to make you laugh, remember like Alphaba has to like wipe Ness's ass. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's the life. And it's funny, but it's that's the life she lives. You know what I mean? Like she's picking up other people's shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where she like gets her sense of humor and her her sarcasm. It's like at the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think it's just like it, it was finding all the things that make her human mm-hmm. and things that separate the magical fictional world and what brings it together with my world and what reality is to me. Mm. And because the songs have been sung so beautifully by so many powerful women before me, I knew that there wasn't really anything really special that I could bring or something new. I could just kind of pay homage to. But you do. Emma. I mean, I did, I put my own spin on some stuff, but like the way that I was going to be able to connect with the material was by looking at it like a play, like mm-hmm. a straight play. Was that hard to do with such a long running show? Once a show reaches a certain point, you're kind of like, it's wicked. You don't think of it as like an artistic piece necessarily, maybe. I mean, it's hard because it's definitely, they like things a certain way and, you know, it's worked. So if you have a a new idea, it's really got to be good and it's really got to be worth it for them to break their pattern. So I was really lucky that I had a stage manager and that Lisa Liguio was really cool with me switching some things up. And there were some things that I did that they were like, you can't do that. But I think that happens with every album, you know. like a, a riff? I did get in trouble for my no good deed riff, but that happened like three months before I left the show. So I was kind of confused. I was like, what? <laughs> You're like I've been doing it. I, I got in trouble for doing the witch voice during Defying Gravity. Oh, oh that's interesting. A little too witchy. That's funny. <laughs> like they wanted you to save it for a no good deed? I think they try to avoid making it too close to Wizard of Oz as possible. That's my assumption because mm. they are two different properties right. and two different stories. Well, and they're probably very careful about like which moments they want people to be like, oh, it's a reference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before you got on, Quincy and I were talking about how, you know, in the the three big songs, how fresh they all felt in your performance, which is nice because in those three big songs, when it's just you, you kind of have the room to spread yourself out and to like put your mark on that. But then I'm wondering, like, how does that kind of work with a one short day where it's like there's not really acting room in a song like that to kind of like breathe yourself into the role. That's true. I actually love one short day because that quick change is so fast and then like it's heart racing. Yeah, let's start with that. <laughs> what's underdressed, what's not? Like, what- yeah, like what's going on under, because I'm not that girl, it was right before, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. You just have like the blue dress and the white coat on over it. Oh. You just like unzip and step out of it and then you step into dress and they zip it up. But the fun thing about one short day is that if you call out in the middle of the show as an alphabet, which usually happens around Wizard and I, it takes until one short day and they switch swap you out at the quick change. <laughs> oh, I never oh. realized. I knew that one short day was the swap time, but I never realized that it was like a wizard and I were making this known and it takes that long. Oh yeah, because they have to get them green. Right. Yeah. You have to truck through. Happened to me one time and Emmy Raver Lantman, who is significantly taller than me, she came on like six foot tall and I was like, that's not me. <laughs> 
Is the quick change like you got it down or was it kind of a little stressful? Quick change you got down. You have a dresser and a wig girl there and they're basically just doing everything for you. There were a couple times when like zippers would get jammed. If that happens, you just kind of sing your part off stage while they fix it. Uh (laughs) Kevin, does Glinda change costumes? Yes, she changes costumes, Quincy. I'm only ever looking at Elphaba. I know. It's your fatal flaw, Quincy. Yes, (laughs) Glinda does change costumes. She, I can't. (laughs) I had just as much anxiety watching Lindsay do the show because every time a quick change would come up, I'd be like, you got this, you got this, you got this, you got this. Lindsay, Lindsay Pierce sent us um, the audios that you took when you went to yes. see her as Alphaba. And we like hear your squealing in the background. It's so cute. Crying and screaming. Let's transition to that. When a close friend of yours books a role that you've done already and kind of put your mark on, what is that like? Are you, because I would imagine as a friend, it'd be weird to be like, oh, let me give you some advice. Right. The thing I love about Lindsay, which is why our friendship is so wonderful and so beautiful, is that on paper, our friendship does not make any sense. (laughs) We completely get each other. And like, I wouldn't have my TV show if it weren't for an audition that I didn't get the sides to in time. And Lindsay sent them to me because she went on the audition. That kind of girl, you know what I mean? And it's like, and I've always been that kind of woman. So it was like a Mm. kinship when we found each other. And this was, I met her after I did Wicked. That was one of the first things I said. I was like, you have to be Elphaba. Why haven't you played Elphaba? I was like, Mm. this would be so easy for you. So when she found out that she got it, she called me in the middle of CVS and she was like, I don't know what to do. It felt like I had booked the show all over again. It really was such a full circle moment. I met Lindsay the week I left Wicked. And so to go back and see her Mm -hmm. in the show, it just felt Mm. like it all full circle. Did you give her any kind of like, okay, this is how it's actually going to be. This is how we need. No, not at all. I let her figure it out for herself. And then it was like, if anything, I've always been like, isn't it funny? How Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she'll be like, exactly. There's things that I can joke around with her about now that she wouldn't Mm. have understood Mm. before, but now she can. I would never, that girl is so much like, she's such an incredible actress and incredible singer. She does not need my help. I need her help. (laughs) So back to one short day. I think this is like the first moment that Alphaba gives in to feeling joy for real. Like, I feel like she's very guarded up until this point. I think it's definitely a giddy moment because it's the first time, you know, she says it's all green. No one looks at her weird. And that was always an emotional moment for me because it was like, no one's pointing, no one's laughing. Like for the first time I'm somewhere where I belong. And it's like, that Mm -hmm. was how I felt when I moved to New York after being a theater kid in LA. And I think that's kind of what it is for Elphaba. I think it's like that moment where first time, like, you know, everyone's got green glasses on. They don't, I imagine that she probably thinks everyone thinks she's royalty. If she's like got the money to to dye her skin green. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. This is her place. You know what I mean? And I think that's probably one of the only times in the show that she experiences true unencumbered joy. Yeah. Well, and I always think too is because like in The Wizard and I, she says that she would never show it that she was so happy and so excited. So it's like we know that she's putting that lid on. It's like you get a little bit of it in popular usually, but then like one short day is always the moment where it's like, okay, you sang your big song. I sang my big song. Now we get to just like giggle for four minutes. When those Emerald City lights go yeah, on. Uh, it's also a really cute moment for Alphaba and Glinda. We said it was kind of like they define the relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. They do. They define <laughs> the DTR. Oh, no, it's a huge moment for them. I always played it like everything was fine. And, you know, they were enemies until uh, the Fiero thing happened. And then she was yeah, like, oh, yeah, you're going to yeah. take me with you? Now I like you. 
<laughs> so it was always really fun to mess with the Glindas and just be like, you know, anytime we weren't singing yeah. and we're off and be like, hey, you like me now? Yeah. Well, and it's cute too, because even to like put it in pedestrian terms, it's like everyone who has the experience of going away to college can remember the night where it's like, oh, this random roommate I was assigned is like, maybe kind of nice. Like, maybe we're friends. We're clicks. That's such a specific moment. And to see it on stage is so nice. One of the many reasons I love Wicked is that it shows a female friendship that's genuine. I think that we don't have enough stories like that where they're, you know, they don't become romantic partners or whatever. I think it's lovely yeah. to watch people just be friends um, and to express care for the people that they love, even if it is a platonic relationship. And that is that song is the beginning of that. It's the, the sister that Elphaba mm-hmm. always wished she had with Nessa. It's like that fun. Yeah playful, someone who genuinely enjoys her company and wants her to be there and not because she has to be there. She's genuinely enjoying her time with Elphaba. And I think Elphaba's never had anyone around her who's genuinely enjoyed spending their time with her. Hearing you talk about it in that way makes it kind of sad how quickly it like turns into not that. (laughs) It's her life is sad. Like she reminds me of like those people. My mom was like this, God rest her soul was just like no matter how many wonderful things she did like mm-hmm. life just would shit on her <laughs> like it just it didn't matter. and i think that's just who alphaba is it doesn't matter how hard she tries or what yeah. good deed she does no pun intended yeah <laughs> I've been thinking about this show for two decades and I like have never really like thought of it in the context of she had a very sad life until she got on that train and then she has a very sad life about four hours later. Like the book scene immediately following one short day, it kind of starts to crumble. Yeah. <laughs> how do you handle that when you're like, I, I came to him to figure out how to do this and now it's like, now it's all on yeah, me. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Freaky Friday? Oh my gosh. <laughs> can you run us through how Freaky Friday came to you? I worked with Christopher Ashley before and I'd worked with Tom Kitt a couple of times before. And I knew that the Freaky Friday musical was a thing. I know that it was a different um, songwriter before. So when Tom came into play, I was like, interesting. I wonder if, Mm. (laughs) because my biggest feedback was always, she looks young, but she plays old. So I was like, well, this sounds perfect because I look young, but I'm acting like a mother. I was living in LA at the time and I was like dirt broke. And my agent asked if uh, I would fly out for the audition. I was like, I will fly out for the audition, but only if this is like a 95% chance that I'm going to book this. Like mm-hmm. I'm out of pocket. I can't afford this really. So she was like 100%. She's like, I think it would be worth it for you to go. Mm-hmm. So I went and I booked it. Thank God. I think for a while, they didn't know if they wanted to do an out-of-town run and then attempt a Broadway run. And then there was a talk about, you know, doing it like a mm-hmm. seasonal, like maybe just for the summer. I was going to say, was it ever intended for Broadway or was it always going to be kind of a licensing thing? I think in the beginning, I think there's always the hope that your show will go to Broadway. I think that's always the intention. And then I know, I don't want to speak on behalf of like Disney or anything, but I know mm-hmm. the- had like four shows. I think Frozen was like in production Mm -hmm. at that time. And so they have a lot of balls that they were juggling. And I think I love Freaky Friday. I think it's such a great show. Um, I don't know about a long-term Broadway run. I always Mm -hmm. thought maybe like an open-ended off Broadway run or like. And that seems like a very hard sing. Was it harder than Alphabet? It actually, no, it wasn't. Um, It's somewhere between the Mad Ones and Wicked will always be the hardest thing. And Rent up there. Rent, because again, Rent was a lot of screaming. Um, Freaky yeah. Friday was always just fun. So were you in talks to do the movie? No, I was never in talks to do the movie. I think my feelings were hurt because I was like, uh, you could have just told me. Like, I don't know why mm-hmm. we were kind of hiding this 
for like I still would have done the show. No one like made it clear to you. No, I didn't find out until we had gotten to Cleveland that they had decided to move forward with the movie. And they were like, and we're not gonna have you be a part of it. And I was like, okay, I didn't even know this was happening. And yeah. okay. Where my feelings were hurt or my confusion was I was like, I don't have to be the daughter. Like you could have brought me yeah. in for like a, like one line. Like as a yeah. wink and a nod. But at the end of the day, it was not mm-hmm. the right thing mm-hmm. for me. I was too old for it. And I, I was open to do good trouble. So it like everything gotcha, always works gotcha. out for a reason. Oh, this would be a good... We had a listener email us and said he wanted to know more about what it was like to be on tour and how you took care of yourself on tour mm, and mm-hmm. hopping from city to city. So John, if you're listening, this is your question. Oh, it's infinitely harder on tour because you have the comforts of home when you're mm-hmm. home or stationary in a city. You have your friends there. Um, mm-hmm. Being on the road can be really isolating. Traveling is really, really hard. Getting on an airplane and trying to keep your voice on your one day off is a nightmare. So I I drove with people from city to city. The stages are different. Uh, The sound is different. And you have two hours and like 20 minutes of a sound Mm. check to adjust to that. When you were on tour, were you doing like week sit downs at that point? I think the shortest we had was three weeks, but the longest we had was like five weeks. Oh, that's nice. Sitting kind of right there in between that, like it wasn't really long enough to get comfortable, but it was just long yeah, enough to like yeah, miss yeah. the around totally. the corner. Yeah. Wicked was my third tour. Oh, that's right. So that's kind of crazy that you toured at three very different stages of your life. Yes. Very, I like, I mean, I've seen every city in this state, in this country twice. Yeah, because we just talked about a lot of the maybe harder things about touring, but I'm sure like getting able to just like see the country has to be very cool. It is really cool. And like different people that I know that have moved to like Chicago. I ran into my friend Joey from LA (laughs) on the street in Chicago when I was there. That are cool. I have friends everywhere, which yeah, is I, I don't know how many people can say that. It's really cool to like be able to have little pins in all these different places all over. Yeah, that's, it's definitely yeah. one of the upsides to touring. Emma, this was so fantastic Thanks for having me. I'm sorry, I like I'm such a chatterbox. No, this oh my is gosh, great. no, we love it. Where can people find you online, Emma? Everything. All my ats are Emma Hunton. Perfect, and we'll be keeping up with you on TikTok too. <laughs> I love this friendship. Thank you so much. Thank you, so Emma. Much fun. Emma Hunton, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. I know. Gosh, kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning. I'm like, who are we getting Emma Hunton to be on our? Are we this American life? Because I mean, I was like a teenager during the original production of Spring Awakening. Yeah. And so like that was such a cool time to be a teenager theater kid because it was like not only are there Broadway stars that are my age, but they're also like in this cool show. Like people think they're cool. Anybody who was in Spring Awakening was somebody that my whole generation was like zeroed in on. (laughs) And so it it was a little like a high stakes for me today. I'm not going to lie. We totally forgot to mention that she was Maureen in the off-Broadway revival of Rent, which I'm so glad she mentioned in the interview. Yes. Adding to the list of Alphabas who have also been Maureen. I think there's only two Maureens who were Glinda's. Of course you're going here. I... Kendra Kassebaum. Uh-huh. Annalie. Yeah. That's the only two I can think of. Mm. Kendra Kassenbaum. Kendra Kassenbaum. She could do Alphabet and Glinda. And 
there's only a few Glindas who I think could also be Alphaba, apart from Louise Dearman, who has actually done it. A pipe dream I had, which if you follow us on TikTok, you'll know because I've been talking to the TikTok followers about this, is I always dreamed that Patty Murin and Mamie Paris would take over on Broadway. As which way? Oh yeah, I switched like gears on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I switched gears. Patty Marin could do Alphaba, but I did want her to do Glinda on Broadway with Mamie Paris. Quincy, did you know that when you call or text me, the picture that comes up is Patty Marin as Glinda? Wait, are you serious? Yes, because you, a long time ago, sent me like an autograph that you had from her that said to Quincy, like Patty Marin. Mm. And I just thought that was so cute and like adolescent of you. <laughs> so that's what comes up when you call me now, is that production <laughs> photo of Patty Mirren with her signature on it. <laughs> I love that you say so cute. <laughs> okay, you want to see? Yeah, I do. That's it. That's there her. My photographed Patty Mirren photo. <laughs> okay, I feel like she was blowing my mind mm-hmm. with some of her choices and the the emotional connections that she was making. Mm-hmm. And I kind of talked about it in the interview, but I'm like, contemporary alphabets, it's not I don't know. You don't typically expect a contemporary alphabet at this point to approach it from such a pure acting standpoint. And I loved, I loved, loved, loved when she was like, when I talked to Lindsay Pierce, I just remind her, alphabet has to wipe Nessa's ass. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've never thought of it in that way. I just think it was really cool to hear um, how deep she went with the preparation. Well, and to how she contextualized it in our world instead of in Oz. She brought up a really good point when she talked about how she was surprised that there haven't been more black actresses who have played Alphaba because yes. the white actresses who play Alphaba can't necessarily put themselves in the shoes of someone who has been ostracized because of their skin color. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually had a listener, Adam, who sent us kind of a dissertation on the character of Alphaba, and he Which, talked about wait, that as well. We got a pause. <laughs> And pour one out for Adam, because that is, like, the nerdiest, coolest shit I've ever... He wrote, like, a big-ass thesis PowerPoint PDF. I just think Adam... Adam is a sentimental man. Adam is an honorary sentimental man. A hundred percent. And we love... We both read that word for word. Like, it was... Thank you for sending that to us, Adam. We loved it. Thinking back to when we went and we saw Hannah and Brittany Johnson was on as Glinda, the dynamic between a black Glinda and a green Alphaba is was so interesting and different because it's like, okay, so now this is saying a whole different thing about <laughs> that conversation in Oz. Having a black Glinda be kind of the popular it girl. Well, and the night we saw it, the two friends were also... Yes. We're also black. So it was the three of them. That was cute. It was great. I was, uh, I love it. You know what I love too is the idea that like royalty in the Emerald City like paint their skin green, which is also kind of a loaded metaphor. I thought that was like a really insightful take to have on the character. I don't know that I necessarily have ever pieced together the idea too that like everyone's wearing these green glasses. So to them, she is just another person being dyed green by their... Although would she technically be white if she was green because then the light rays would reflect the same rays back and then it would cancel out the green color? I have no idea what you're... (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I I just love knowing that she actually 
put that much thought into the character because again i feel like at this point alphaba is very easy to just kind of slip into and not really give much thought to yeah it's not necessarily a role like maybe jenna in waitress where there is kind of this like comfy amount of room built into the role to bring yourself into i feel like alphaba at this point is just like stand on this spot look at this light it's a machine and i don't mean that to take away from the craft of the performers Mm -hmm. but it's just the it, it's like the role is the iconic part. So it's like people have an expectation and you're supposed to meet that expectation. So there's not necessarily that wiggle room, but it's nice to see somebody use that wiggle room that is there. Well, no, and it's interesting that she thought that like she didn't really break the mold as far as different vocal choices go. Yeah. Well, maybe she just feels, because she is kind of a score alphabet. She's not super riffy. But she does a lot of really interesting options, I think. Correct. Like, there are things that she would mix in this, like, light, airy place that I Mm -hmm. have never heard another alphabet do. Like, the way she builds Defying Gravity is so exciting. And then to hear her say that she's like, oh yeah, and that's alphabet trying on this identity as the common enemy and then by the end she's trying it out and I was like okay that is exactly the vocal energy that I was picking up on I think it's time for Kevin's Glinda Corner oh my god first of all we have arrived at the point of the show where this will officially be Kevin's Glinda Corner Mm. which some people have called us out on some people have called you out on I have not made the mistake yet. That's true. I made the mistake, but you're in the video that I posted, so... Slander. (laughs) See how dirty he's playing in this war? One Short Day, to me, yes, I think does achieve the plot necessity of solidifying their friendship, but I think in, like, the technical placement of it in the show, it is just kind of, like, a reward for the audience because they just sat through a kind of, like, plot-heavy book scene. They need to be woken back up because, like, the big song's coming and we need you to be awake for and it. those Emerald City lights wake you they up. They will wake you up. But there is this kind of like joke on gay Twitter or like gay wicked Twitter. Very niche. Very niche of like there is this fan narrative of how has Galinda Upland of the Upper Uplands, how has she never been to the Emerald City? <laughs> and you know me, I like to analyze. And so the way I would choose to look at that is that perhaps it is just that she is very sheltered. Maybe she is very privileged, but very sheltered. And so this idea of running off to the big city is as exciting to her because she's never had the freedom to do it as it is to Elphaba, uh-huh. who has never had the the means to do it or the, the reason to do it. I also would just like to point out that we talked about the quick change, how fast it is, mm-hmm. but I was watching One Short Day before we started recording, and not only is that a fast change, but they literally run from downstage left to upstage right. They do a full diagonal cross of the Gershwin, yeah. which is like a fucking football field. <laughs> like, that is a huge stage. On a break, they're running uphill. As fast as they can. As fast they they can because they have like a 32 count across the floor to do all that that's mean i think it's 20 seconds it's not a long time it's a quick change and that includes scaling the stage and they're in heels (laughs) 
The last thing that I would like to say um, is the video that I watched was Megan Hilty and Eden Espinosa bootleg. And I love an acting choice that Megan Hilty makes in this because she, when she says, come on, we're going to be late for Wizomania, the way she says um, Wizomania is as if she has never heard of this musical before. And it's cute because it's like it's all new for Glinda, too. So they're like experiencing this all together. Mm hmm. I think there's also probably an element, and this is deep, but that's like a book line that is on the cast recording. So it's like so ingrained in our minds of, Elfie, we're going to be late for Wizomania. But when Megan Hilty was doing it, she didn't have two decades of listening to the cast album. <gasps> oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's like another thing I love about the early Elphabas and Glinda's is like they kind of weren't as comparative with their performances because it wasn't like iconic yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got me, Kevin. I mean, guys, we have a new president. We got to talk to Emma Hunton. Life is good. I'm back in New York. So much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. Like Josh Groban says on his Christmas album. That reference went over my head, but... (laughs) My mom loves Josh Groban. I know Josh Groban from chess. I bet you do. Truly just a fantastic week, guys. Fantastic interview. Emma, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It was so great getting to talk to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Kevin, do you have any words? Uh, hoi polloi. Whatever that means. What? What is hoi polloi? Are you kidding me? Is it a lyric? It's literally a funny word in the fucking song that we were talking about today. I wanna be in this. Hoi polloi. I thought it was like white plane or something. You thought it was what? Or white boy. (laughs) Quincy. Guys, now that we're up and running, please go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. And, you know, if you're going to leave us a two-star rating, I just assume you're saying that there are two stars on this podcast and that their names are Quincy and Kevin. Whoever left us the two-star rating, we know you're still listening. So, I don't know. Thank you, I guess. Thank you. Um, Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. Thanks to Julia DeMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com. Or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. That's S-E-N-T-M-E-N-P-O-D. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. If I had ever sent my tape in for the Glee Project, I think Lindsay Pierce and I, we would have a podcast right now. Oh my God. So lucky you, I never did. Jesus Christ. That's the outro bit. That's the end tech.